Listen to Little Decisions Podcast. Listen to Little Decisions Podcast. Or else. Or else Podcast. Very good, Cora. Welcome to Little Decisions Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Cooper. What did you think about that intro with my youngest daughter, Cora? Cute, right? Well, for episode three, we're talking about practice self-care. And I wanted to take a minute and tell you what I'll be talking about today. So we're going to start with our words matter section where I define self-care. And I talk about the eight areas that I believe it encompasses. Then we move on to the question of the week where I did it in a survey this week. And I made made it digital for the very first time. So we're going to talk about both those things. Um, We're also going to talk about some things in the news and on this day. So on this day in history, I've got a couple cute pop culture facts that I wanted to share. And we're going to head on to the market and talk about at the market. And then we're going to wrap things up for this week. So who's excited? All right. Well, stay tuned. Words Matter is up next. Alrighty then, welcome to Words Matter. Let's talk about what I mean by self-care. Self-care is not just shopping trips and bubble baths, although don't get me wrong, those can be helpful some days. It's more about taking care of yourself, your whole self. So self-care is actually the foundation of healthcare, but you know, it's generally not looked at as that way either. Um... It's generally outside the formal health and social care systems, which means it's not always recognized as something that's important or valuable, but it absolutely is. There were many, many definitions of self-care on the internet. I could have used any one of them, but I wanted to find one that seemed all-encompassing, so I found the World Health Organization's one from 1998, which says, self-care is what people do for themselves to establish and maintain health, and to prevent and deal with illness. All right, so that seems pretty straightforward, right? It's what people do for themselves to establish and maintain health and to prevent and deal with illness. So there's four things you're doing there. You're establishing and maintaining health. You're preventing and dealing with illness. That makes sense. I like that. Um, I like that from a mental health perspective too because... I think we always look at mental health in terms of mental illness, and I don't like that. I like looking at it as a spectrum, and that just like with everything else, you can have different sides to it, I guess. There's the illness side and the health side, but we'll talk more about that. So, back to self-care. All right, well, it's a broad concept encompassing hygiene, which is general and personal, Nutrition, which, you know, is like your food eaten. Lifestyle, which is sporting activities, leisure activities, things like that. Environmental factors, socioeconomic factors, 
and self-medication. So I've actually broken that down into eight areas. So let's talk about those eight areas, or as I call them, slices. Because here's the thing, guys. Life is not a pie. There aren't so many slices, we're not sharing it. But when it comes to our mental health and wellness, I think it is a pie. And I think we have to enjoy it all to be able to really benefit from it. I just want an excuse to eat a whole pie. But anyway, let's get back to those eight areas of self-care. Okay, so we're going to talk about physical, psychological, emotional, environmental, spiritual, social, professional, and personal. Now, I'm going to get more into those in a minute, but I just want to make sure that you recognize that those are the eight areas of self-care that I mean to talk about because those are the areas we need to feed every day for ourselves to be completely healthy. Now, for me, I have never been good at this, ever. And that's why I'm talking about it and sharing it because I want to try and get better. So, what else? Well... I also want to talk briefly about the International Self-Care Foundation, which has written a self-care manifesto, if you will, but it has several areas that I want to note right now. The first is, self-care is both a set of activities and a repetitive cycle of behavior. Okay, so it's multi-purpose, like gratitude. You act, and then you monitor, you recognize, you evaluate, and then you act again. Self-care behaviors involve individual capability, opportunity, and motivation. All right. I like that. Okay. What else is in that manifesto from the International Self-Care Foundation? Well, they also say that, quote, through self-care, people can be healthier and remain so into old age, managing minor ailments themselves. They can also better manage, delay, or even prevent the appearance of so-called lifestyle diseases, such as heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, and many cancers. Self-care doesn't just help our mental health. It helps our physical health, too. Which is why, for the eight slices of self-care, I want to talk about physical first. All right. Physical means the body, the physical body. So how can you practice self-care with your physical body? Well, you can go to regular medical visits, including those checkups that feel a little bit too invasive. You can eat healthy, exercise regularly. You can be sexual with your body. You can get enough sleep, and you can get rest when you need to. And that's not necessarily when it's convenient, but when you need it. You can try acupuncture or massages, or you can take a walk. All of those are great ways to feed your physical body in terms of self-care. So let's move on to the next slice, psychological. This is where we stimulate the mind or we feed your creative self. So what can you do for psychological self-care? You can do some self-reflection, not a pity party, mind you, some actual self-reflection where you look at your behaviors and you look at the causes of them and the results of them and you kind of see, hey, am I acting the way I want to? That's proper self-reflection cause and effect people. You can try therapy, journaling, self-awareness, or aromatherapy. You can also go to a symphony or ballet. You could draw or paint, or you can practice asking and receiving help. 
Now, you'll notice some of my tips for self-care include things that you could do with other people, like practicing asking and receiving help. I don't know about you, but I hate that one. I don't want to ask for help. I can do it on my own, right? I mean, surely. But I can't. We all have to ask for help. And we all could get a little better about doing it. So, what's that next slice we're talking about? Well, the next slice of self-care pie is emotional. This is where we feel our feelings. We don't just have them. We don't just stuff them down. We feel them. So how can we practice self-care on the emotional level? Well, you can try affirmations. I know affirmations seem silly, but our brain doesn't really recognize the difference between what's actually happened and what we tell it happens. So affirmations are great. We can also try some self-love and self-compassion. I actually have something, it's a little blue star that I've started carrying around in my pocket. And it has a C on one side and an S on the other. And the C is for compassion and the S is for shame. Because sometimes I'm choosing to shame myself over having compassion for myself. And I need to have a lot more compassion. What else can you do for emotional self-care? Well, you can cry or laugh or you can tell yourself something positive. There's lots of ways you can feel your feelings. I don't think I should have to tell you that one. All right, the next one in the envir is environmental. Okay, this is the environmental slice. And this is the environment we inhabit on any given day at any given moment. So what's around us? So how do you practice self-care with what's around you? Well, you make sure you have safe and accessible housing. You have access to quality food and water. You make sure that the physical spaces you inhabit are comfortable. They're spaces that you want to be in. And that might not always be the case. For example, I don't think anyone wants to go to the DMV, but we have to go there to get our new driver's licenses, etc., etc. So when you have to inhabit that type of space, why not try wearing comfortable clothing? Because that's also your physical space. That's your environment too. So that way you can encompass a couple different things. And you're a little bit less stressed. The key here is being less stressed. And I hope that comes across. All right, next slice. This is spiritual. This is where we feed the soul. This can be religious or this can just be about your place in the universe. Because that's what spirituality really is, right? Is finding our place in the universe and trying to understand that. And that's all this one is. This one, I'm not going to have many suggestions for because I want you to think about what feeds your soul. How do, you, how do you connect to the world around you? And those are ways that you can practice that self-care. I'd love to hear about them. On to our next slice, which is social. This is how we engage with the world. So this one I have some special tips on. Because these are things that we don't do as often as we should, or at least as I think I should in my life. So, you say no to, to something that you have no desire to do, or you say, I love you, or I'm sorry. And you practice forgiveness with yourself and others. I like these because these are not easy things. Self-care isn't always going to be easy. Maybe saying I love you for the first time or saying I love you to someone you haven't said it in a while 
can be very hard. But the whole point is self-care is about healing parts of you. And I think if you need to say it, you need to say it. So our next slice is the professional slice. And this is what we do day in and day out. It's what we do. So with this, with our professional slice, you can set boundaries. You can leave work at work. You can take mental health days. Or you can plan your next career move. You also want to be supported by coworkers and your supervisor. Those are great things that you can ask for. And our last slice is personal. And this is your personality. This is what makes you, you. So some examples of self-care in that is you can learn who you are and figure out what you want in life. You can develop short and long-term goals that are very measurable. Um, you can use that SMART um, acronym for measurable goals. I can't remember it right now, but I'll promise to link it in the show notes. And you can make a vision board. Any of those things are great ways for doing self-care. So those are eight slices of self-care. Again, that's physical, psychological, emotional, environmental, spiritual, social, professional, and personal. So we'll use those different areas to talk about self-care for the rest of this episode. Now on to question of the week. For the question of the week this week, I asked about self-care as we've been talking about. I had a lot of responses. I'm very excited. We had 12 in-person responses and since this was the first time the question of the week was digital, we also had two digital responses. And of those, Almost 70% of total responses define self-care as the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own, one's own health. Again, that's the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health. And if you'll remember what I discussed earlier, that makes sense because we talked about those action steps, right? We want to establish and maintain health, and we want to prevent and deal with illness. That's what self-care is. So it makes sense that almost 70% of respondees defined it that way. There were some interesting results for question two. In question two, I asked people to cross out any of the statements that they do not believe qualify as self-care. And what I'll do is I'll read you all of those statements first, and then I'll tell you which ones I found surprising that people marked out. So here are the options that people got to choose from for crossing out the following statements that you believe do not qualify as self-care. One, understanding your boundaries or knowing when to say no. Two, understanding when you need to take a break. Three, exiting a toxic relationship. Four, eating well and taking care of your body. Five, Getting enough sleep at night. Six, acknowledging long-term health conditions and dealing with them. Seven, taking an interest in public health. Eight, accurately assessing what you can and can't do. Nine, getting adequate health care. Ten, spending time with your family and your community. Whew, that's a lot, isn't it? But... I wanted 
people to get a sense of what self-care is. And remember, they haven't had the luxury of hearing my explanation of self-care as a pie. So they don't know the answer, or at least what I assume the answers are. So what interested me in the results for this one, for question two, was a person selected exiting a toxic relationship as not being a form of self-care. And I found that very interesting because I would absolutely say that leaving a relationship that is not healthy for you is self-care. But I can understand the difficulty behind it. So uh, another one that was interesting that got a couple answers, I think three people marked this one, was acknowledging long-term health conditions and dealing with them. Now, I'm thinking of long haulers with COVID and how that's an incredibly important thing for self-care. Acknowledging long-term health conditions and dealing with them, I think that could be really important. And the most surprising one that was crossed out by a majority of respondents was taking an interest in public health, number seven. Taking an interest in public health. And I just found that strange given that we're in a pandemic but I think that's more a reflection of pandemic burnout than people's actual interest in public health. I think if you asked them before a pandemic, they would have not crossed that answer out as much. So I'm going to say that's a moment of the times and leave it at that. All right. Our next section is going to be in the news. Stay tuned. And this is in the news. This is where... Things related to the podcast are in the news today, and I want to talk about them. All right, let's start with Netflix's Fear Street. It has a retro twist to it, and I love it. Part one is set in 1994. Part two is set in 1978. And the conclusion will go way, way back to 1666, which is actually premiering tomorrow. That's the series finale. And it's loosely based on R.L. Stein's novel with the same name, Fear Street. And it's another streaming experiment with closely staggered releases of each part. So what I mean by that is they're trying a different experiment in how they release them. And basically each episode is released about a week apart with, the, again, the premiere being tomorrow. And it's an interesting... I think it ties well that feeling of the 90s as being the golden age of horror, especially for teens. They were exploring the genre through movies like Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer, which became classics of the era. And there was also Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Are You Afraid of the Dark, which were just as popular and also a different side of horror that you might necessarily have seen before. Books like R.L. Stein were contributed to the spooky atmosphere of the 90s. And this show seems to really encompass that. So if you get a chance, watch Netflix's Fear Street. And no, they're not a sponsor yet. What else is in the news? Well, this next one's a little sad. Drug overdose deaths in 2020 hit their highest number ever, according to the CDC. That is really scary. That's an increase of almost 30%. We went from 72,151 to 93,000 deaths reported as from drug overdose. My mother and stepfather died from addiction. And their deaths weren't recorded as that. But that's what killed them. 
I'll talk more about that one day, but addiction's a coping skill gone terribly awry, and it's a terribly deadly form of self-care, and I wanted to point that out. All right, let's switch gears a little bit and end on a more positive note. Coming up in a couple, in about a week and a half, is International Self-Care Day. How nice is that? It's on July 24th, and... That's no coincidence, the date that they picked. The seventh month, the 24th day. They're trying to symbolize that, the, um, that, there are, that self-care and its benefits can be experienced 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I found that pretty interesting. Kudos to them. All right. Now let's talk about some history. I would like to represent some pop culture here. So we're going to do On This Day. On this day is where we look at events in pop culture history that have happened in the past on this day, July 15th. So on July 15th in 1972, Honky Chateau becomes Elton John's first number one album in the United States and it included the hit Rocket Man. Now I can't afford to play Rocket Man next, but you should go and have a listen to it. It's a fabulous song. All right. On this day in 1988, Die Hard was released, starring Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman. It was released in the United States on this date in 1988. Now, I don't want to start a huge hussifuss, but do you think Die Hard is a Christmas movie? I think given it came out in July, maybe, maybe not. But it could have been that Christmas in July type of feeling. I don't know. All right. Here's our last on this day. On this day in 1996, Prince Charles and Princess Diana signed their divorce papers. Now, I don't know about you, but that impacted me a whole lot, that whole shenanigans. I, I didn't realize that royalty could experience, I guess, the normal difficulties of the human life. So when their divorce happened, it surprised me. And I don't think I was the only one. I think it surprised a lot of people. All right. We're headed to At the Market. Stay tuned. Eventually, for this At the Market section, I want to include recordings from the market. However, I'm still learning the software programs, and so I'm going to practice some self-care on myself and give myself a little break. So for At the Market, I want to do two things, and they include thank yous to people. First, I want to thank Troublesome Farms and Mayor Dodd for their hospitality last weekend in hosting a small gathering of us market vendors to celebrate the start of the season in style. It was lovely, and I'm really sad that we got rained out. Thank you. I also want to thank the Piper, which is a bagpipe player, for the serenade at the end of the market last week. He was playing for a funeral, and it reminded me of the phrase, Memento Mori which is, remember you must die. And I hope that you find joy and kindness in all the little decisions you make today. Pineapple with care.